Welcome to Step Into the Story, incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Well, welcome to Step Into the Story. Every time we get together, the goal is the same. We want to explore the intersection of God's story and a person's story. And I hope that as you listen to this, you're not just learning about a a third person, another person, but this also becomes a personal adventure for you and um, that, that you will consider letting God write your story and that you will um, recommit yourself to finding your place in his story. I'm very excited about today's conversation with my guest, Lee McLeroy. Lee, welcome to Step Into the Story. Hi, Phil. Good to be with you. Uh, this is going to be fun. Lee, you are down in Houston, Texas. I'm in Atlanta, and um, we have the joy of of connecting via technology, and neither one of us had to get on an airplane um, to, to be able to have this conversation. Uh, you are known most of all as uh, an author, as a speaker, um, but that's not something that normally somebody goes in second grade, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Let's, let's go back in time. And, and let's talk about, you have a really interesting career path, but even before the career path, um, I just want to hear some about your growing up years. Tell me about your family. Tell me about, um, you know, just, just your background. Tell us all about that, will you please? Um, grew up in South Texas, uh, was actually born in Honolulu, Hawaii. My dad was in the Navy, but uh, we got stateside when I was about seven months old. So I have no memory of, you know, paradise. Too bad. Um, yeah. Just just a lot of hot Texas uh, days. So I uh, lived in Houston since I was eight, grew up in the church, believing parents, one sister. She is to this day my best friend. Um, small family, but grew up in a very tight, loving community, both um, in the small suburb of Houston where I grew up and also in the church where I grew up. Um, and I Man, Phil, I fell in love with words when I was really, really young. Our house was filled with books. Both my parents read to me. Um, my dad sat me in his lap and held the newspaper out in front of me and would point to short little words that he knew I could sound out. Mm. And that was kind of the process of learning to read. And since I've been seven or so, which I think was the age I bought my first book at the dime store, if I can remember correctly, I have been a reader and I have been writing in one form or another since I was 10. So I have had kind of a crazy career path, but I've never not been a reader or a writer. Mm. So, so go back to those grade school years. I mean, was there, was there one particular teacher that recognize gifting in you and um, made you believe it? Or, or how, did, how did you know that you had a gift? Because you certainly do. I had an amazing second grade teacher. Her name was Cynthia Ewens. The elementary school I attended is now named after her. It's Ewens Elementary. Wow. Um, Mrs. Ewens gave us creative writing assignments in second grade. And the first time she did it, I, it was like somebody opened the closet to the wonder room. And, um, I, I got amazing feedback from her every time I wrote something. And 
I was probably hungry to do that anyway, but she really encouraged it. And um, I actually, I think this is right, was published for the first time in a, in a children's magazine when I was in maybe third or fourth grade. And I did not submit my work. One of my teachers did. And when I found out, I was mortified. Sure. I had all of a sudden become like the third grade poet, which is a totally nerdy thing to be. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it was born early and it was nurtured early. Yes. Wow. I, it's been kind of encouraging. There's obviously lots of reasons to be, um, concerned about what we see in our educational system and all. And, you know, you recently had a, had a tragedy, not all that far from you with the school shooting in, in Uvalde, but, um, one of the things that's encouraging to see is that kids are celebrated for more than just sports. I mean, in, in our school growing up, the gold standard was you get to letter in something. And, um, you know, now to see kids in band, lettering in band or, yeah. or other extracurriculars, that's really, to me, a, a very healthy trend. I'm, I'm glad your gift was celebrated early. Uh, my writing career which hasn't been, I'm, I'm a better talker than I am a writer, but um, which hasn't been all that great, got off to a really rough start. The first thing I ever tried to get published was um, senior year in college. I had written a poem to propose to my now wife of 42 years, Ellen, and um, it was called Man's Timeless Search, and it was this it was this killer poem, and it brought tears and a yes, and I pulled out the ring, and um, our college was having like a like a student writing deal that they were putting together, and they were I think it's called Codon. They were going to publish all these, and I turned in this poem, you know, pretty much confident. If I wasn't on the cover, I'd be certainly prominently <laughs> featured. And it came back, and it just had one word at the top. It said trite. I'm like trite. What do you mean, trite? She said, yes. How could it? So anyway, I'm glad you got nurtured better than my writing career got, got nurtured. Well, and Phil, I will say this about your experience. There is impact and there is fame. And I would say after 42 years, you got the best part of the deal. Hey, I like that. It's the royalties it's paying are better than any other project I've ever had. Hands down. Um, speaking of your love for words and writing, tell us your dog's name, please. Well, I actually have two, and um, I named, I've, I've had five dogs since I was 18. I just, I'm a dog person, and I always have a dog. I have two right now because my oldest is um, blind, and I got the second one as a seeing-eye dog for the first. Aww. But um, the oldest is Burley, and he is named after Burley Coulter, who is a character in a Wendell Berry novel. Okay. And the youngest is Ames, and Ames is named after the Reverend John Ames in Mary Lynn Robinson's Gilead. Well, wow. Well, somebody slipped me some old things because I have your dog's name as Owen. So has well, Owen already gone to doggy heaven? Owen has gone to doggy heaven, and Owen was named after Owen Meany in uh, John Irving's book, A Prayer for Owen Meany. And, and also uh, one of the inklings from the Oxford group. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I keep having these guests who have these huge aspirations for their dog. I had Jeff Myers from <laughs> Summit Ministry on here. He has a golden retriever named Clive. 
um, after after C.S. Lewis. Our dog is Chipper, named after Chipper Jones of the Atlanta Braves. So I again, I'm just don't feel like I'm measuring up here. But um, before I'm a huge baseball fan, by the way, and I can't say that I would not ever name a dog Altuve. So. Okay, there you go, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, as you'd mentioned your your career path, go into that a little more because you didn't just graduate from Texas A and M and go, okay, I will now write. Um, what what's the path that God has brought you through? Um, I had a corporate life and a ministry life, corporate life and a ministry career. Um, I still kind of call what I do ministry, even though I'm not paid directly as that. Um, I went to work as a junior copywriter in an advertising agency when I was 22 years old. Okay. And for the next probably 10 years, I switched back and forth between the corporate side of marketing and the agency side. Um, Got really interested in healthcare, did a couple of terms in corporate healthcare marketing. And um, when I was 30, I had been attending a very large church in Houston for several years, and they asked me to come on staff um, as a writer and to do some marketing work. And so I did that for 10 years, and um, that turned into five ghostwritten books for a senior pastor and lots of things written under other people's bylines. And after about 10 years, I had a reckoning with God and um, felt like it was time for me to stop being somebody else's voice and to start using mine Mm. as me. Mm. So um, I took another corporate marketing job at that point because I needed to pay the rent. But um, that year that I left staff was the year my first book was published. So I was writing at night and in the early morning, and I was still going to do my corporate thing during the day. Mm. Was that Moments for Singles? Was that it your was, first book? It was, okay. with Nath Press, it was. Oh, great, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, that one I'm I'm definitely familiar with, and it's not lost its relevance in, in all these years. You, you know, the irony of that was that was the book I never wanted to write because I didn't want to only be that girl. Sure, and I get sometimes that. In, sometimes in publishing you get stuck. And I thought, well, I definitely want to write a book and I'd love to publish with Nav Press. I wish it was a different book, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to jump in the pool and say, yes. Hey, you take what you can get, especially on, on your first one, for sure. Um, We have featured your writings in a couple of walk through the Bible publications, tapestry and, and also indeed. And one of the things that, that I enjoy that you do is Wednesday words and, Donna Pinnell, um, who's our vice president of advancement and does a lot of our marketing and communications, she she loves your writings. And she said something to me before um, this conversation. She goes, I think I've saved every one of her Wednesday's words since like 2015, which um, coming from Donna, that is that is high praise. But I just want to read one of your fairly recent ones, if I could, and um, it it will spark a good conversation, I think. But but my overriding thing that I have to overcome with your writing is the question: How can anyone say so much in so few words? Um, you know, I'm I'm one of those who feels cheated if a church goes, "We really need you to 
only talk 30 minutes, you know, and it's like, oh, no, how can how can I do that? And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this will take two minutes. Um, but everybody, listen, listen to this and um, just see the picture that Lee communicates in her writing. She says, when a theater I've long been associated with moved to a new home, many items from the old place remained unclaimed. The company manager sent word that anyone who wanted something left behind should speak up before the building sold. I remembered a print of the Last Supper that had hung in the tiny chapel or library for at least 25 years and was surprised to learn no one else wanted it. I put, my, put in my request. A few evenings ago, I received this cryptic reply from the manager. Two Last Suppers, one with Jesus, one without. Which one? Seriously? There's a Last Supper without Jesus? How would that work exactly? I only remembered one print and did not recall that the Savior was missing in it. With him, please, I replied. A few days later, the print I remembered was delivered to me with Jesus. Because who in their right mind would want to be without him? Who would choose a scene, any scene, and prefer he be omitted from it? Who would opt for his absence when his presence is so freely offered? I would like to be with Jesus. Please, let me be with him and he with me. If I've learned anything up to now, it's this. There is no feast, no celebration, no sorrow or story or song without him in the picture. Uh, Lee, that, that, is, that is simple but profound. And... Um, when you wrote that, I mean, was there, you know, obviously you, you were prompted by that thing, but, but there's more behind what you wrote than just the incident with the pictures of the Last Supper. What is the difference in your life with Jesus versus without Jesus? He gives everything its meaning. Um, he gives everything a frame. Um, I just, I, I, I can't imagine living or, or looking at life any other way. And the thing with Wednesday Words, Phil, I, I started that when I left 10 years of church staff and had been writing as someone else and realized that I didn't know what my voice sounded like anymore. So the whole Wednesday Words thing started when I literally emailed 25 friends just to hold myself accountable and said, hey, if I wrote 500 words every Wednesday morning, you could read it over a cup of coffee. Would you want to get that? Because I didn't want to spam anybody. And they were my friends, so they said yes. And that started a process that I had always kind of internally done but had never externalized, which was to take that frame of Christ and just to apply it on spaces or moments in real life and then sort of like he does extrapolate meaning from that mm. and so that's that's what that's about and and um it's just a way of seeing the world and the thing about wednesday words that's kept me doing it for so many years is it helps me it reminds me to look at the world that way too to see life through his frame Do you need rescue? Rescue from fear, loneliness, addiction, feelings of inadequacy, 
Fear that people are going to discover the real you. Can you help someone else find freedom? Walk with us as we discover the life of Moses in our new Bible study, Rescue, leading yourself and others to freedom. From 40 years of preparation in the wilderness to 10 plagues, to leading God's people out of Egypt to the 10 commandments, to dealing with the people's complaints and their disobedience and more, we'll learn how God rescued Moses from his fears and feelings of inadequacy and how God worked in and through Moses to lead himself and God's people to freedom. Find out more about rescue at walkthrough.org slash rescue. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot org slash rescue. So are, I mean, are your antenna kind of always looking? Are you thinking, I got to have something for next Wednesday? Or do you have a, do you have a waiting list with 30 ideas that you've just waiting for a chance for take us into your writing process a little bit um, because that's that's something that that intrigues me about all creatives whether it's musicians or writers everybody seems to work a little differently uh, how do you partner with God in the process of creation the first part that we just talked about is that staying awake part you know just awake and alert and so are my antenna always up? Man, as much as possible, I hope so. Um, actually, to the degree that a lot of times friends and family, when something occurs that they realize is going to be Wednesday Wordsworthy, will say, you're not going to do that, are you? Yeah, right. Exactly. That's how my so, kids were um, like, uh, yeah. yes, that was hilarious, Dad, and it's off limits for Sunday yes, morning. I get yes, that. Yes, don't make don't make me fodder for that. Don't do that. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I, think I am as awake and alert as I can possibly be because, I mean, God's word promises us that, that in his presence, there's fullness of joy and in his right hand, there are treasures forever. Well, let's see that presence. Let's find those treasures. Let's uncover this stuff. Mm. Um, if it's for real and it is so, so part of it is being awake and aware. And I do have a little notebook that I carry in my bag backpack, purse, whatever I happen to be carrying that day. And I call it a word catcher. And sometimes I'll just write down a phrase or an image or something that I want to ponder a little bit more. And so I have that little, that it really is as big as my palm. It's a, it's mm. a tiny little pad. And um, if I'm not sure what Wednesday is going to look like, sometimes I'll take that out and flip through it and, and see what comes. Um I do have a little bit of a backlog, but not a big one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it's yeah. fre it's fresh manna for those of us who are are, are benefiting from that. I, I know in in that one you you coupled that with a scripture, and um, you know in all of your writings, God's word just oozes out whether whether chapter and verse are cited or not. Um, how how have you acquired you're just really workable, useful knowledge of scripture. Um, you, you know, I mean, how, how do you take God's word in, into your life on, on a regular basis? Um, I am a hundred percent committed to the local church. So, so I hear God's word on a weekly basis um, with God's people and I, that's super important to me. It always has been. Um, 
I've taught the Bible for about 30 years. Wow. So um, teaching makes you uber accountable. Um, yep. So that's been a part of my study process. Um, I think one of the most significant things for me, I was a sophomore in college. I was a journalism major. I was working part-time to pay my way through school as a TV news reporter. That's really laughable, but I was. And I realized that for both work and school, I was reading tons of stuff every day. I mean, back then as a journalism major, we were responsible for reading like the local paper, a, a state paper, the New York Times. I mean, we, we had to read and I realized one day that I was a sophomore in college and I had a Bible in my dorm room and I went to church every Sunday, but, but between Sunday and Sunday, I never opened my Bible. I prayed this silly prayer and said, God, I would like to fall in love with your word. Mm. And man, he answered. That is a dangerous prayer right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's so much healthier than... Um, you know, for a lot of time, I just suffered with guilt of, I really should, I really should. And I articulated a prayer pretty close to that instead of, God, give me the discipline. Um, I'm going to set my alarm. God, God, please don't let it be dry today. Please, God, give give me something meaningful. And, and, um, started praying a prayer remarkably similar to yours. And I, I wonder if there's not something that just unlocks God's blessings when he hears that and he goes, okay, now we can get going. Um, yeah. And desire so different from duty, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Guilt, guilt is a marvelous short-term motivator, but it's a, uh, it's but not it doesn't really work well in the long haul. No, and it does not yeah. bring with it joy and yeah. and intimacy for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's powerful, powerful thoughts. Um, I know you know you you said when you wrote your book on singleness that it was like I didn't want to be that girl and and get get pigeonholed you know in there, um, but you continue to have a great ministry to those who, who are single that oftentimes, I mean, why, why is it that the church is so lousy at, at ministering to singles? Um, that just, I mean, I, I have a daughter who, who's, who's single. I've got lots of close friends who are single who are, who are living these robust lives. But when it comes to connecting with the family of God and a local church, um, it just it just seems like a struggle. What's the deal? You know, I, I I honestly wouldn't say that it's the church's fault, and this this may sound crazy, but mm -hmm. um, it's it's not easy as a single person to integrate yourself into church life. And again, not necessarily for fault of the church, but think about it, you. You walk in the door alone. You may or may not find someone you know to sit with. Um, it's just, it's not, you have to want it. You have to find that community. I um, had been a member of one church here in Houston for 14 years, and three years ago, 
I, uh, I joined a different church. Part of it was geography. It just, you know, the, I wasn't, I wasn't in like a, a community or a parish situation. Everyone I was going to church with lived really far away from me. And after a while, I just thought, you know, that's, that's becoming less and less workable. So I joined a new church, but it felt like I had gotten a divorce, even though I love my old church and still have many friends there. But the first Sunday I walked into the church that I ultimately joined, it was painful. And mm -hmm. I'm a church girl. You would think I wouldn't have any problem with that. And I actually talked to my new pastor and I said, hey, I want to be in a Bible study class. Um, could you recommend a couple? And he recommended one specific class. And the folks in that class were my age, but they had been together as a class for almost 30 years. Most of them were married. There might have been one or two other single people in there, but not many. And he flat out said, it's going to be hard to break in, but this is your tribe. These are your people, I promise you. Mm. And so, Phil, I just kept going by myself and sitting there. And every time I would try to meet a different person. And I think they finally realized that I wasn't going to leave. And so they just embraced me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it just, but so many people are not wired like you who are willing to risk that kind of rejection. And I just, yeah, we just have to do better. We just really, <laughs> really do. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I... I've been married a long time, but there, there is, I learned so much from those who, who are single because uh, oftentimes their relationship with the Lord is something that challenges me because though that's a terrible burden for me to ever put on Ellen, it's like, it's like, well, she kind of completes me or with her, I become whole. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't ever put those things in words because they sound like heresy, but there's there's something really beautiful about a single person and their level of devotion to Jesus Christ. That um, it's it's a beautiful thing. Married or single, we're wired for relationship. So, you know, mm, mm. that's that's part of the deal for sure. What are some of the um, what are some of the advantages of being an unmarried Christ follower? Freedom. Hmm. Um, to change course quickly, to take risks that will really only affect you. Um, to pour yourself into a larger circle, not big, but a bigger circle than one. Sure. Um, to invest in this is something that's come to me more and more to me lately to invest in other people's children. Wow. Um, Cause it's different when it's not a parent to have a relationship with an adult. That's not your parent. I did when I was in high school, have relationships with adults who were not my parents. Oh yeah. That I trusted for wisdom and guidance and just affection. So um, yeah. So well, That's and those for me lately. those years when your parents are the sometimes the dumbest people on earth and don't understand. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. And and yeah. to be able to have others, you know, I mean, as a dad, to know that as our kids were growing up, there were other adults in their lives whose values pretty much synced with ours. And it's, um, I mean, there's a. There's an episode um, called the Wedge Salad episode. Um, 
I, I'm trying to remember. I think it's I think it's on it was an office episode or something. But you know the wedge salad has been talked about and talked about, and you need to try one. And all of a sudden, a stranger recommends it, and the person eats it and loves it. And I mean, I can I can still remember the time I preached this just killer series on Philippians, and you know I was like, all right, our little country church was loving it, and then like two weeks after I ended. Somebody comes and goes, Chuck Swindoll is preaching through Philippians. Have, Phil, have you ever read the book of Philippians? And you just want to you just want to scream, you know, or or we'd have a missions conference speaker who would like tell the same things I've been saying for months. And sometimes it's just a fresh outside person. It's another it's another voice. Wow. Yeah. Um I want you in a minute to talk about um, your your newest book and um, shamelessly promote it because I think you can. Uh, it needs to be read and it needs to be read by some of our listeners. But I, I ran across something that that you were pushing. You had a part in the creation of it, um, a project called Dark Room, and, yes. and instantly, Ali, instantly that just resonated with me. Um, Tell us about that project. Um, who's it for? Why is it so needed? And what are some of your dreams for it? Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, Dark Room is a curriculum series based on 14 short topical films for Gen Xers. And the genesis of Gen it X or Gen Z? Started, Gen, Gen Z, Z, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. Gen yeah. Z. And that's the synthesis of it. It started with a lifelong friend of mine who is father to uh, three Gen Z sons and um, had also, as I had been in the church for a long time and said, man, Lee, there is not a lot here yeah. that is really engaging, um, that raises questions, that doesn't didactically feed every answer and um, I, four year, five years ago, went back to school and got a master's in cultural apologetics. So when, when he started talking about this project, it just bells started going off for me. So um, he partnered with the film company in Chicago, produced um, 14 videos on topics for Gen Zers. They are Netflix worthy. And I, I mean that in the best possible way, not the worst possible way. Right. They are well done. They are short. They raise questions. They feature people of that age and generation. They don't answer all the questions. The part I have come in on, aside from advising on some of the scripts, was um, creating curriculum or study materials to go along with them and making those uh, materials really robust so that an adult can confidently introduce the film and then engage the conversation. So... Um, darkroomfaith.com. And here's the best part. Um, this was a 501c3 project. It's fundraised and the videos in the curriculum are free. Wow. So darkroomfaith.com. Um, you can yep. find it. You can find them on YouTube. You can access them. But, you know, Gen Z, if you're not familiar with that term, would be younger than millennials that everybody was so worried about a few years ago and oh no 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 but, but there are some really concerning numbers uh with with gen z in terms of um not only walking away from the church or or going through is this my faith or isn't it but but identifying as i'm a nun 
I mean, not an N-U-N like a Catholic, yeah. <laughs> but a N-O-N-E. N-O-N-E. I, I have no attachment yeah. to any faith. And yeah. um, the figures, whether it's in Barna studies or wherever, are not encouraging numbers. So um, if you have kids or, or grandkids in this age group, you know, before you just get it and dump it on them and go on, here, you need this. Um, engage with it yourself and and just start to ask God to give you eyes of compassion um, that that he would let you empathize with what it's like to grow up in in this world today and um, I'm I'm definitely going to use that in in my ministry so thank you for your role in in creating that Thanks for asking about it. I'm super excited about it. Just launched about three weeks ago. Oh, wow. So brand new. Okay. Mm-hmm. And your last completed writing project, um, and then I want to hear about what you're working on now. But what's your most recent book, Lee? Um, the most recent book actually uh, came out of Wednesday Words. I was approached by a publisher that was uh, looking to publish a devotional for women, which is kind of funny because not all the Wednesday Words subscribers are women. Um, but um, they ask about repurposing some of those devotionals for a book called A Minute of Presence. And uh, that was my most recent book. Oh, so wow. Wow. If, if you're curious about Wednesday Words, you'll see all you need to see in a minute of presence. Ah, fantastic. And what's the future hold for Lee? What are you, what are you dreaming about? What's your, um, ah, this is terrible to ask you this on a podcast, but what, what do you sometimes even struggle to go, Lord, could, could you let me do this? Could you let me experience this? Because um, I, w- I want to pray for you in a minute, but um, what's the what's the desire on your heart that may, from a human point of view, go well? That's a pretty much a long shot. I don't want to make God look bad, so I'm not going to mention that one. But Lee, I'm serious. What's the what's the dream on your heart? You know. I would love to keep writing and publishing, but every time I publish a book, I'm well aware that it gets harder and harder to do that. Um, if you're not like a huge billboard name. Um, I was at a publishing conference many years ago and I had a name tag that said author. And this woman walked up to me in the ladies room and looked at my tag and she said, should I know you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I said, no, probably not. <laughs> Yeah, it's so tough. It's I, tough, isn't I would, it? Yeah. I have three book ideas right now that are stewing, and I would love to do any of the three of them and have actually started working on two. Um, I haven't talked to my agent. I don't know if any of them are publishable. I would I, publishing is not it, it's not like the big cherry on top of the Sunday. It's it's the opportunity just to have that voice. Um, and so I would I would love to continue doing that, not for fame or fortune, because I don't know very many people that make a lot of money publishing books, but for for impact, mm. I would love to keep having a voice. Mm. Yeah. All right. I'll pray for that in a minute. Um, final question. What would you say to somebody who's listening to our conversation and says, that's that's so that's so cool. I mean, I really she seems real to me. She seems authentic. Um, I wish God would speak to me. That would be even cooler if then 
eventually he would speak through me. Um, I mean, we throw those terms around so casually, and yet, yet for many people, um, for me, for years, that seemed like that's only for a tiny group of people. That's for the that's for the superstars of the faith, and yet, and yet, God. God wants to reconcile us to himself and then give to us the ministry of reconciliation. But what what would you say to a man or woman or um, probably not too many second graders listening to us um, as, as you got the encouragement, um, but there's some high school students, there's some college-age kids, there's some, there's some um, Gen Zers, some millennials in there, and there's also some older people listening going, Wow, I think I missed my chance at this. But what what would you say to somebody who just longs to feel like God speaks to me and wow, he gives me things I want to share with others? What would you say to them? On the writing side of it, I, I'm asked this a lot, and my short answer is writers write. So if you aspire to be a writer, you just need to start writing. And I would say every writer is first a reader. So if you're not doing that, you need to start doing that Mm. with some discipline. Um, But everybody's got at least one story that should be told that nobody can tell but them. So when you get the opportunity, tell your story. Mm. Um, It may not be a big audience. Um, It may not be a New York Times bestseller. Um, But I really encourage people to do that. I um, and find what you're passionate about. I had someone contact me once because I do collaborative work, too, with other authors. And he said, I want to write a book. And I said, what's your book about? And he said, well, I don't know, but I just need to be published. And I said, well, I don't think I can help you. No, thank Um, you. Yeah. But if you you know, if there's something you're passionate about, nurture that passion, plumb it deep. And um, I would almost be willing to guarantee that at some point, God's going to give you an opportunity to share that story. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Father, I do pray for Lee. Thank you for the way that you continue to work in her. And then as the overflow of that, you work through her. And Lord, I pray for these three book ideas. Um, the Lord, you would focus her on what is the one for right now? What is the story that needs to be told? What's the, what's the topic that is um, stealing people's joy and, and just robbing their contentment from you, Lord, that you would, you would lead her and that she would have a confidence about that and, um, for her agent, for the, for the publishers who consider it, that there would be real confirmation from that, Lord. Continue to give her more opportunities, Lord, to just brag on you and to invite other people to be just as real and authentic with you as thankfully she is, Lord. Thank you for our conversation today. And I pray that this would motivate us, that now we don't just recognize Lee's name, but Lord, we recognize that's how you want to work in each of our lives. It may not be through the written word, uh, but some way, Lord, you want us to be able to take what we're experiencing and share it with others who so desperately need it. So we pray for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Lee, thank you for being my guest on Step Into the Story. 
Um, it's been a joy to get to know you and look forward to following you. I'm going to be one of your non-women subscribers to Wednesday Words. And, um, you won't be alone, I promise. Okay, okay. I could go by Phyllis <laughs> if I need to, you know. Um, and also darkroomfaith.com. I, I know our listeners are going to want to grab hold of that. But, you know, you take what we've talked about today, everybody, and it is exactly why we wanted to birth this podcast, Step Into the Story, uh, because you've heard Lee's story. You've heard how she found her place in your story, living a, a purpose that's so far beyond herself. And then she's also letting, Lord, you write her story. And um, if there's any way that we at Walk Through the Bible can help any of you uh, along that journey, that's why we exist. Um, check out our resources at walkthrough.org. And we'll, we'd love to serve you any way that we can. Look forward to the next time that we get together here on Step Into the Story. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk Through the Bible. Take a walk, change the world.